First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. What you want to do in your heart is begin gravitating toward pouring into the generations before you and prepare them for a time that you cannot see. And that's kind of where I am right now, and that's what's driving Beyond Our Generation. He has been a spiritual teacher and mentor to many through the years. You'll meet Crawford Loritz on this edition of First Person. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. I appreciate the time you spend listening to our interviews. We strive to introduce you to people who, after giving their life over to Christ and His kingdom, are making a difference by serving. As I often say, sometimes you'll recognize their names and sometimes you won't, but each person has a story to tell of God's faithfulness as they trust Him. You can learn more about us at firstpersoninterview.com. As long as I've known him, Crawford Loritz has been about leaving a spiritual legacy to those who follow us in this journey of faith. He's been a pastor teacher for many years, served on the board of crew, pointing the next generation to their future of service to Christ. So I contacted Crawford online recently to talk about his own development as a leader and what he has to say to this generation. As we began, I mentioned that we have been friends for a very long time. So grateful to God for you. You 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 were part of the reason why I got involved with radio to begin with. And so <laughs> thank you, my friend. I'm 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 happy that you're you're pleased with that decision, but uh, <laughs> I I really am. I really am. Yeah. Well, I it's been too long since we've spoken, so I really wanted to bring you to our first person listeners today. Um, and I know you stepped down from the pastorate, but it doesn't seem like your life has slowed down at all. No, no, it hasn't. And in some regards, it's really picked up. I retired as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church. Uh, I pastored there for 15 years, almost 16 years, and retired in, uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, 2021 was my last Sunday. And uh, and one of the reasons why I, re- I stepped down was that I, I hadn't lost any vision or any passion for the church or anything like that. But I actually felt like, A, the church needed a younger leader. Um, and uh, my elders tried to talk me out of that, but I felt very strongly along those lines. But but then secondly, you know, there was some things in my heart that I felt God wanted me to pursue and do while I still had, uh, you know, good health and energy and that kind of thing. And and uh, not the least of which, or, or the primary thing, is pouring into the next generation of, of leaders, being a cheerleader for them and uh, putting wind in their sails. People did that for me, Wayne. They saw things in my life that I did not see. And and so that's what I'm doing now. Uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of speaking, a lot of writing. Wonderful. You call it Beyond Our Generation. And we'll put information in our program notes about that and an updated version of your book, Leadership as an Identity. All of that information will be in the program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. I, I want to talk to you about calling and that early uh, calling that you had in your life. Um, beginning with your upbringing, I, I recall fondly you talking about your parents and oh, what yeah. wonderful people they were, especially your dad and the lessons yeah. that your dad taught you. And I don't know, did you 
at the time you were being taught those lessons, did they did they resonate with you the way they do now, or did it take? Oh, a while absolutely to... not. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a dad. You know how that works. Uh, right? We get smarter as we get older. Uh, the yeah, kids we, get smarter. We get smarter as the kids get older. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's right. Right. All of a sudden, we, we're transformed into brilliance, and I'm going, "Where'd that come from?" So, no, but uh, I was always very close to my parents, especially my dad. My father. Um, you know, he didn't walk on water or anything like that. But I mean, you know, I tell people he wasn't the fourth member of the Trinity and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Very human. But, um, you know, he, 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 he loved the Lord. He loved his family. Uh, he modeled the destination. He showed up. Uh, one of the hardest working men I've ever met in my life. A man of impeccable integrity. The grandson of a slave. Uh, you know, he was... Um, just an amazing person, no community leader at all, but uh, just had this intuitive sense that, you know, what his priorities were, and he just lived it out. I mean, he, uh, we were number one. I mean, God was number one, but his family uh, was core. And, um, you know, he just had this, had this thing about making sure that, um, uh, that we, we, he gave us what we needed to, to fly in life. And, uh, you know, and I say, and he didn't put it this way. These are my words. And, you know, he he provided us a floor, a sturdy floor to stand on. And, uh, you know, I just, just love that guy to death. Boy, that's that's quite a testimony, really is. Yeah. Do you see that in young fathers today and and uh, in how children are being raised today? Oh, you know, that... <laughs> Not exactly. I think I think things are. I, I think it's a tale of two extremes in our culture right now. I shouldn't say two extremes. I think that there there are many solid uh, young couples and people out there who are who are just you know they're just knocking it out of the park. And quite frankly, I don't think they get enough attention. I think we tend to exaggerate um, the deficits. Now, having said that, I am very, very concerned about the epidemic of fatherlessness mm-hmm. in our culture. Um, I am really concerned about the erosion of identity in terms of what a mother should be, what a father should be, and that kind of thing. And so I think um, I, I think we're so absorbed in the moment that we're forgetting that life is, you know, the, the impact of my life is not measured during my moment in history. It's measured out there in a time that I cannot see. And so the, the decisions and choices that I make today and how I live my life today, you know, I've got to be thinking about what will my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren look like. You know, and, and I, just a word here, um, Wayne, I think my parents' generation, uh, they were very much aware of that. Um, particularly as African-Americans growing up, my father was born in 1914 and my mother was born, I think, 1921. Um, and, uh, and my dad remembered growing up in the South and, and not having certain things. And there was this forward thinking that I want my children to have better and I want my children to be better. And so because of the legacy of slavery, and those early years in Jim Crow, they they were almost forced to think about a time that they mm. could not see. Interesting, yeah. But but in a way that became an extraordinary blessing. And I only use that as an illustration. It's not just the African American community that was like that, but I right. think we need to rediscover 
yeah. uh, that sense of, of, of longevity and purpose and mission. Well, one thing that has changed is that the culture that you and I grew up in, in roundabout terms, supported what our parents were trying yeah. to teach us, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And now it's anything goes. It seems like yeah. it's anything goes these days. So in a sense, it's tougher on parents today, don't you think? Do you understand that? Oh, yeah, it really is. Because I think the hyper-individualism of our culture has sabotaged the positive nature of community. And and uh, and there was a sense that even if you disagreed with with what was taught in somebody's household, you weren't aggressive in attacking that. And, uh, and so, you know, I went to public schools growing up and, and, uh, but I, I don't remember any, uh, hostility or aggressive, uh, um, dismantling of what, what you learned at home. And so you had, you had, if they didn't affirm what you were taught, they didn't attack what you were taught. And so you, you had a lot of reinforcement outside of the home. Well, you don't have that these days. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to your dad. I, you know, I, I think of my dad, and I'm, I'm looking at a, a bookshelf here in my office with his lunchbox on it. He's oh, been man. gone 20 years, but I have his lunchbox. And it just reminds me of his sacrifice. He wasn't a huge intellect. He was a blue-collar guy, worked in an auto factory, you know. Yeah. And he came to faith uh, after I did. He came to faith when I was like 16 years old. But I just look back on that example of uh, steadfastness that he gave me, yes. and, and uh, that's the floor you're talking about, isn't it? Yes, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You just show up every day. You show up, and what I learned from my parents, just looking in the rearview mirror and seeing the, and just like probably this is what you're referring to, your dad, the, you know, the remarkable consistency. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, they, they didn't need an alarm clock to wake up. Uh, responsibility woke them up every morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in his case, it was 4 a.m., yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, they, just, they just kept doing the next right thing, the next right thing. And if they screwed up, of course, they were human. They tried to make it right. And, uh, you know, and I just think, Wayne, um, you know, I, I was sharing this with some younger leaders the other day. I said, you know, the, 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 the pursuit of greatness and the pursuit of making a statement is empty. Mm-hmm. Um, that really greatness is spelled faithfulness. And faithfulness is its own brand and its own marketing strategy. Um, and, you know, and that's what I... <laughs> All the lessons I've learned in life about leadership, I sit on boards and all of this other kind of stuff. I I kind of learned those things, and I'm not overstating this. I I kind of learned those things from my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 do what you say you're going to do. You show up. Um, you make sure if you ask somebody to bleed that you hemorrhage. <laughs> um, you become a portrait of the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, Character is everything. You know, you have more under the counter than you put on display. Uh, all of these lessons. That's great. Yeah. That, that he lived. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever cross swords with your dad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one memorable thing. Now, this is this is hilarious right now because you're looking at me and I don't have any hair. <laughs> but back, <laughs> back in the early, back in the late 60s, I was in college and I grew this humongous afro and I, and, uh, 
you know, my dad didn't care too much for that. And I don't know what, what it was. You know, th- there's a little bit of backstory here. My dad uh, played baseball in the old Negro Leagues, and uh, I played a little baseball. Uh, and But I, in my, in my teen years, my heart for the Lord and the heart to serve him outgrew my, you know, my passion for the game. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a little perfect storm here. Uh, he, he wasn't upset that I was going into ministry, but I, I went off to this Christian college and they didn't even have a baseball. I mean, well, they had a baseball team, but it wasn't, yeah, you know, not so, competitive. I huh? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing that. And then I come home with this Afro that's uh, that's huge. And my grandkids laugh when they see pictures of it. Now they say, Papa, okay. you know, grow it again. And my wife says, Papa couldn't grow it if he wanted to. But <laughs> <laughs> so so it was just that, you know, I, I just had a little bit of a hair trigger back then in terms of my my. Uh, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old. My dad didn't want to take me to the train station to go back to the college because he said my hair, not with your hair looking like that. And it wasn't about the hair. It was about these other stuff. And, yeah. and I actually remember raising my voice at him, oh. which uh, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm actually shocked as I think back about it because you just didn't do that. You know? So, But you lived. Um, you lived. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that was a real important thing. Um, I said I said to him, I'll never forget the, my my tone to him. I told him, I said, I, I'm not going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to be what I want to be and this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and I just stormed out the house and still not knowing how I was going to get to the train station. My uncle ended up taking me. So, But my father, that was a rite of passage uh, in our relationship. Uh, now he never called anybody, but several days after that, I, I called home and my mother said, your dad, your father wants to speak to you. And I'm saying, oh, this ought to be good. Oh yeah. And uh, he gets on the phone and he just says to me, he says, "Uh, son, you can be whatever you want to be. You don't have to be anything you, I expect you to be. And that was a, Hmm. That was a transition moment. You're so. right. It was a rite of passage. Yeah. It was. It yeah. was. It was. So, yeah. Yeah. More life lessons from Crawford Loritz, our first person guest, coming up in just a moment. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Crawford Loritz, and we're just exploring those lessons of life that come early and hopefully stick with us throughout life. In Crawford's case, he certainly have. He passes them on to others now. Beyond Our Generation is an organization you've started, and I, I want to hear about that. Crawford, What what is this about? I, the title says it all probably, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it, it really is about my heart and desire. It goes way, way back to, uh, you know, my dad, and, and, and it's each point in my life, when God has raised up people who poured into me, and even in those early years, saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, believed in me, and opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. And I've always had this sense of, uh, 
you know, just indebtedness and wanting to do the same. And I've tried to do that throughout throughout our ministry. You know, even at the church, we had a residence program and things like that. Where, and so, it's all about just pouring into the next generation. Now, I do that, and it's it's a small. I mean, my you know, we don't we're not starting some huge operation here, but you know, I I mentor some younger leaders and and meet with them. Um, I, I'm a visiting professor at about three different seminaries uh, where I teach on leadership and get a chance to pour, pour into them. Um, I'm doing more speaking and writing in that um, uh, vein. I just came back from Indonesia and Malaysia where, um, you know, there are some younger leaders at that yeah. in the cohort that read my book on leadership. Yeah, and I followed your trip online. It was exciting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's doing those kinds of things. Uh, um, you know, I, I just not, not to get too philosophical here, but I just think that there are three 20 year segments in, in over the span of our lives, particularly a ministry life or career. You know, 20 to 40 is that 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 season of learning where you're learning who you are and who you're not. And you're developing things, you know, you're. And it can be a rough time, but God's using you. And then about 40 to 60 is that season of leveraging. You know who you are. You know who you're not. You know who you are. And, and uh, the exposure is beginning to drip over into wisdom, and it's really a fruitful time. But actually, I think 60 to and beyond is that season of leaving. And I don't mean leaving the ministry, and I don't mean, you know, leaving an organization. It's kind of thing. But what I really mean is that you've got more of the rearview mirror than you do in front of you. And it's that time in your life where you have learned a ton of things through success and through failure and adversity and all of that. And uh, you you know the difference between a trend and a fad by then. Mm-hmm. And you know that which is noble. And so what you want to do in your heart, at least you should do this, is begin gravitating toward pouring into the generations before you, helping them to not, you know, uh, make some mistakes you've made and prepare them for a time that you cannot see. And so and that's kind of where I am right now. And that's what uh, that's what's driving uh, beyond our generation. That's wonderful. And it really displays the godly wisdom that God has uh, entrusted to you to pass on to people. Uh, that that passing on in that sixty plus uh, time of of life can can be through teaching like you're doing. It can also be by example. Uh, yeah. I, I can think of uh, men and women in my life that were just such a tremendous example to me when they were that age, and and you know that's the kind of example I want to be as well. So, hey, yeah. tell me tell me about your your early calling. Was there a definite moment when you were called to the ministry, or was it just something? I mean, you you mentioned. Uh, those college years, yeah. Uh, what yeah, what was yeah. the what was the experience? Well, let's go back to when I gave my heart to Jesus. I was uh, thirteen and a half years old, and uh, it actually wasn't our home church. It was a a church where a friend of my my sisters went to, and uh, um, and my sister started going in to their youth group, and you know um, invited me to come along and. And uh, second Sunday in January in 1964, I was 13 and a half years old. I gave my heart to Jesus. And uh, but that church and my, my parents, you know, they 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 applauded me. They, in fact, they let me attend there. Okay. Um, my pastor of that church believed in young people. He was bivocational. It was a small, tiny church on a good Sunday. I don't think he had 100 people there. 
And yet, and yet did those folks love young people, especially uh, my pastor. And he began to see things in me. I had a heart to share my faith, even as a young teenager. And, um, and I remember telling him that this burning desire in me to understand God's word and to share it with other people, and that I felt like I would like to preach one day. Well, you know, I'm 16 years old. And so he says, okay, if you want to do that, you're going to preach your first message in a few weeks at a prayer meeting. Oh boy. And so, <laughs> and so I'm still, I, by the way, I found that mess. We downsized here a few years ago. I found that message. Is that right? That little wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let me James guess. Jackson. It lasted 10 minutes, right? Yeah. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> okay. it was okay. like, yeah. So I stand up to pre. I thought I had like a half an hour's worth of material. I was done like in about eight or nine minutes. Yep, man. That, <laughs> Billy Graham had the same experience, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there was a there was a spark in my heart. There was something there, and so from that, and one thing led to the next. And even in my later teen years, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years, I began speaking at the churches and things like that, and. And, uh, and so there was a definite call. And looking back, I never really wanted to do anything else but to uh, share God's word and, and proclaim it. Yeah. Wonderful. Crawford, there may be a young person listening today who wants to be in a position to be able to, um, you know, follow God's call and to perhaps uh, move into leadership. But it just doesn't seem to be happening. The doors don't seem to be opening for them. What advice mm-hmm. would you have for them? Well, I, I think, number one, uh, don't procrastinate your fruitfulness, meaning that sometimes you, you think that you, you're not going to be content and be happy and be, you know, joyful until and really hitting your stride until you get X, Y, or Z or whatever that is. Um, you, you Don't miss the opportunities in front of you. Pour yourself into right now. This is where you are. And the other thing I would encourage you to is that, look, God doesn't have a speech impediment. And when he wants to show you what he wants you to do, he'll be clear about that. Work on your character right now. Work on showing up. Cultivate faithfulness. Be responsive. No one's stopping you from sharing your faith and no one's stopping you from pouring into other people. Um and so, you know, there's a lot of things that God's doing in your life right now. And I, I would say to a young person, understand this. God can do more in a flash than you can do in 20 years of planning and working and all of that yeah. stuff. So you're not wasting your life. Um, to, and, and, and no, it might be, you know, it, that comes from the Lord as well. Yeah. Now, continue to dream, continue to develop relationships. I would say uh, keep a mentor in your life. Um, you know, someone that you respect and listen to godly counsel and, uh, and God will open those doors. Such great advice. Godly advice. Thank you, Crawford. Thank you, my brother. Blessings. Simple, practical advice for anyone seeking to make a difference in serving God from our first person guest, Crawford Loritz. We'll post additional information about Crawford and his many books at firstpersoninterview.com. You can also re-listen or share this program from that website, firstpersoninterview.com. And thanks for your prayers for the Far East Broadcasting Company will make it possible for us to bring you First Person. 
FEBC continues to proclaim the gospel in many difficult-to-reach places of the world through radio and online programs. For example, the war in Ukraine is making life extremely difficult for people, but FEBC's team is faithfully on the air every day in that country, offering spiritual hope and counseling to Ukrainians and Russians as well. Learn more at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.